Hello everyone, so welcome to episode 57 of Tetarik with Walid and today I this is a collaboration with Ethos Books. They have added another excellent publication to the scene and another one well this is Singapore centric but also it discusses disability in general and to be honest this is a topic I really don't know much about so I'm really looking forward to learning from our guest today so I will be having hopefully all three editors of this book not without us so you can get this book at Kino and uh, on Kinokunia and on the Ethos website $27 before GST I'm told so if I'm wrong please comment and please uh, let me know so without further ado let's as I said I don't really know much about this topic I've read the book it's an excellent book and I look forward to hearing from our guests uh, as I said in the introduction just now I really come in with next to zero knowledge on on this topic so what is it that you want people to get? My first question for you, while we wait for Mang E, what is it that you want people to get out of this book? I mean, I, I, oh, I okay. Okay. So, I mean, th- I I think this is a very lofty kind of okay. question, and I think that's important. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I I would like like Mingyi to also answer. Yeah, that. sure. So, okay. So, shall we, so, shall we talk you? about the weather first, or? <laughs> I, I enjoyed it uh, there were some things that I wasn't sure how to feel about um, even your introduction uh, I mean and this is the the thing that I wanted to ask you guys about as well I what what exactly do we ter- use what term exactly do we use and you said that there's a debate within the community right and among scholars what is the term that you should use and you guys made the editorial decision not to police the language right but clearly it's important to some people but for others they it's not as important so what is the debate and what is the term that we should use what's the value in using whatever term we use or not using whatever term we use And you understand? And they can chime yeah, in from the I Singapore think, yeah, side. I think, it's, um, <laughs> I think the first thing to say is that from the community that we work, which is disability studies, um, the starting point is how disabled people define themselves. So that's absolutely crucial. Uh, and you can that also explains Victor's um, reticence to respond to the query, the first query here, because um, it's very important that disabled people are driving this forward. And just as I speak, as if on time. Oh um, yes, May. Hello. Thank you so much. Yes, hi. yes, yes. Hi, Wallet. Yes, you made it. Hi, Victor. No, hi, there. So hi. Hi. Hi, 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 everyone. So Dan was just answering uh, the question I was asking him. What is the term that we should be using, right? Because you guys referenced that in your chapter as well. And what do we lose or gain by using whatever term we choose? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a. I think it's a. It's a very big topic and uh, maybe controversial to some extent. Mm. Um, uh, sorry, Dan, were you going to say something? Did I? I just pop, popped in midway yeah. through. Did you, did you want I was. To I was actually going to say. I think you should answer this. <laughs> <laughs> it seems. I think that's going to be the theme of the night. <laughs> that's going to be. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Punishment for the last man. <laughs> 
Well, I, I think I think very simply put, um, uh, I, I, I would imagine people who are tuning in uh, would be uh, uh, the audience might likely be made up of people who are already in the field and um, you know familiar with disability uh, research, doing disability-related um, studies, or, or, or working with uh, this community. And of course, there's going to be a group where people aren't very familiar with disability. So if, if I can very simply put, um, there is a trend, uh, and I, I draw this from my experience working uh, at NIE, and I think in Singapore, there's a, sense, there's a sense that the person first language, meaning to say a person with disability, a person with a visual impairment, a uh, person with uh, autism and so on, that tends to be um, one of the uh, descriptors that uh, uh, that's, I, w I would say maybe recommended, you know, and you it, it would probably fall into a space that is um, uh, safe, uh, respectful, and wouldn't um, tread on too many people's toes. But at the same time, there is the identity person first language that is uh, also, well, I, I wouldn't say uh, new, but already has been, uh, I think, widely used in, for example, in the UK, in the US, and that would be um, describing this population with uh, disabled persons or visually impaired persons. So, um, it, in, in that regard, uh, if uh, maybe the preference for the identity person first language tends to be um, uh, preferred by disability scholars, um, as it helps, I, I think it gives uh, the understanding that disability is a, a social uh, imposition on, 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 on individuals with impairments. So, um, and I think that helps to, I think, re-emphasize how disability is understood and experienced in the sense that um, society has a a huge hand in, in um, uh, 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 you know, placing additional barriers on, on individuals um, seeking to, um, to, well, to live life fully. So um, I, I think broadly we can understand it in, 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 in those uh, dichotomies. Um, don't know if uh, Dan and Victor want to chime in and yeah. may have you thank, know, further, thank, thank you, Mang Yi. Before I get to Dan and Victor, uh, I just wanted to say Mang Yi is uh, an associate professor at NIE, who, and this is his field. He, he researches and teaches in special and inclusive education and disability studies. Uh, so as a personal preference, how, what would you like people to refer to you as? Like, because I know you guys talked about this in detail, like different people would, would prefer different terms, but for you personally? Well, for those of the viewers tuning in and who don't know me, I am visually impaired. I am blind. Uh, I, I don't have a strong preference whether I'm a person with visual impairment or I'm blind. 
uh, I know in, in the US, for example, um, um, strong disability advocates will say that uh, if someone is blind, for example, uh, why not call them just blind, right? Call a spade a spade. Let's mm. not be too apologetic about it. And let's be uh, upfront and, uh, and not skirt around the issue. Mm. Um, so, but again, that may not be the perspective of all blind persons or you know all persons with visual impairments because um, um, uh, I, 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 the diverse range of experiences I think comes with it um, um, preferences on on, on along the uh, the continuum so um, perhaps you know even within the disability community there's so much debate on terminology yeah yeah mm. Mm. Uh, uh, victor or dad you want to chime in so I mean, victor is sorry yeah. victor is my colleague at ntu or he will be soon he'll be he's doing his postdoc and he'll be coming back to the uh, wikimi school of communication and information uh, and then is a professor in uh, of disability studies in the university of sheffield uh, and he's a prominent scholar in this field so so we really have the right people here today to, to discuss. Sorry, I interrupted one of you. Was it Victor or Dan? Yeah, Dan. I mean, yeah, I mean, Dan, I, mean Dan. I just I think just Dan, to kind of um, bookend what Mengi is talking about. Great, uh, great to be connected with you, Mengi. I'm you? just showing show something in Singapore. Um, but um, is that, yeah, there's, there, I think there's two things just to say. Firstly, the idea of um, labels, one of the key I suppose offerings of disability studies is a quite simple one, which is what Mengi is talking about, which is use the language that people use, that want to use about themselves. And that's quite a profound thing to say, because we know that the language of disability historically has been a language written by other people. So written by particularly professionals, medics, uh, psychologists. So there's something very profound about saying, you know, accepting the language that people want to use to define themselves. That, that is one of the, the first contributions of disability studies. The second thing to say is that depending on where you are in the world, um, this, as, as Mengi was kind of alluding to there, it's deeply um, problematic in some cases. There's lots of debate around this. So in the UK, many people here prefer the term disabled people. And the reason they use that term is because they want to uh, recognise that they are disabled by society. They're excluded by systems of oppression they're excluded by environments they're excluded by forms of education and you know even now within uh, british culture disabled people still get an incredibly raw deal so the term dis disabled person in that way is very much kind of as maggie's saying getting us to think about how society responds to disability mm -hmm. thank you so uh, so then uh, you you talked about using the language that uh, people themselves choose to use right but if if amongst uh, the community there's there's differences so what should outsiders use then should it be before they start talking to somebody then they they ask oh what is it that you like uh, that would yeah. be, be a nice start um, you know be and let's be honest you know it, it happens a lot of, what is what is curious about disability um, and I'm sure that Victor and, and Mengi will support me here, is that disabled people are very used to complete strangers coming up to them, asking the most inappropriate questions about their impairment. Mm. 
or they are very used to non-disabled people already knowing in their kind of minds how to respond to disability. I mean, I'm reminded of a story of, um, uh, that came out of a book in the States where there was a disabled young person uh, sat in a wheelchair in a shopping mall in North America uh, and two guys came up, picked, picked them up in their wheelchair and took them up the, the steps to the, uh, the second floor of the mall. And, they, and, the, and the wheelchair users just had to remind the people that they were just sitting down having a drink. They didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> now, that's a kind of, you know, a bit of a comedic right. kind of response. Right. But it does say something there about how people have got to be a bit careful here about already assuming that they know about disability. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, uh, so yeah, yep. carry on, carry on. Yeah. I, I just wanted to jump in here just to add on, just to add on to that conversation around terminology and and I mean, I agree with both Dan and Mengi, and I think it's also important to note that there is also a difference between um, more positive terminology. So people with disabilities, persons with disabilities, disabled people, disabled persons. And um, I would think older, more outdated forms of terminology that tends to fall off usage because of its very negative connotation. So the R word, uh, no, doesn't, it's not used anymore. Uh, and there are also other, you know, previously, you know, um, um, very negative terminology, right? Uh, Cripple used to be very, you know, negative, but there are some groups that have claimed it. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, we have moved on from a stage where, you know, neg very negative terminology, the R word, you know, the I word has transited into more positive terminology. And when we say we are, you know, uh, moving towards uh, terminology that, to acknowledging that people use the terminology that uh, acknowledge, uh, we are actually talking about that more accepted uh, terminology. But that's not, that's not stopping people from using terminology that has previously been negative if they have made, especially if the community has made a, a very conscious decision to embrace that. So for instance, Kripal used to be negative, but now there's a group of scholars, of activists, of disabled people who have claimed the term Kripal. Right. Right. Thank you so much. So I, I think just on this question, actually, we can go for one hour. But I just have one follow-up uh, to this. Uh, before that, I would like to read some of the comments. So Arun, right off the bat, right, uh, asked, do you think there has been adequate political will for disability inclusion in Singapore? So, so we'll discuss that later on. Uh, but there were a couple of highs from Rene to Dr. Dan and Gizbit Fit said, Prof Wong, your number two fan is here to support you. I don't know who your number one fan is. Yeah. So, <laughs> so and Rene said, for persons with disability, they don't like to be judged. And that's the other thing I also wanted to to ask. And again, I really come from a place of ignorance. I watched this um, before. I think this person appeared on The Apprentice and she was uh, wheelchair bound. And she said the worst thing uh, for her personally, the worst thing is when people give her looks of pity. Right? So, so uh, in a sense, there are, I, I think also people, I, I guess even, even for me, you don't know how to react. Right? Or you don't know how to behave or interact with uh, people with uh, disability, but but I'll I'll get to that in a while as well. Uh, if you guys have any comments, so uh, the first conversation I ever had with Victor, right, uh, and he told me that uh, disability is a social construct, and I completely agree. I completely agree that disability is a social construct. But 
And I think Mang E uh, mentioned that as well. But I'm not sure how far that gets us along in the conversation because most of our, the things in our lives are social constructs, right? And we live our lives around social con constructs. And without social constructs, there is, there is no, no way we can live uh, an ordinary or uh, a, a life. We can't, we can't live any life without social constructs, right? So, mm -hmm. but why is it that Mang Yi in his introduction, he already mentioned that, and Victor, I think, the first conversation we had, why is it important to point that out, that disability is a social construct? If everything in our lives are social construct, like the country, is, the nation state is a social construct, right? Uh, marriage is a social, <laughs> everything in our lives that we hold dear are uh, a social construct. But what is the value of pointing that out? I, I would give a, uh, a simple, maybe two, three sentence answer, and the rest can just check, uh, jump on. I would think that it is important to recognize that because a lot of times we naturalize the category, we don't see that, and this has real implications for a particular group of people who have been who have been defined as disabled, and that would be my you know, mm. straightforward, simple mm. answer. Mm. Yeah. So um, I think Dan's little story earlier on about the the person in the wheelchair being carried up to uh, to the second floor. Uh, I had a little bit of that kind of an experience in Japan. I was uh, I, I I was an exchange student in in Tokyo for uh, for half a year, and I was walking to class um, to university, and um, suddenly um, a person came up to me and said that uh, let me take you to um, the massage and acupuncture um, uh, um, clinic. Because, you know, from, from this person's, this passerby's perspective, I am blind or visually impaired. Mm -hmm. and, and, and where else would I want to go but to the <laughs> acupuncture and massage clinic? Because that's where all blind people you know, in Japan, you yeah. find employment. Yeah. So, so I said, but I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm, I, I'm not going there. That's not my destination. I'm, I'm going to the university. So, right. so that was, um, you know, it, it, it was really nice of the person, right, who stopped by and offered uh, assistance, but they made mm. an assumption. Mm. That, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, that's where I was headed for, and that's likely to be the employment that I would be uh, undertaking or I was training for. So um, I, I think the social construct here in a way is, I, I agree with you, Walid, that you know, many things that we live in society is uh, centered around lots of uh, social constructs. But I suppose in terms of disability, it tends to be very much um, one that pigeonholes and mm. it, uh, it 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 makes a lot of assumptions and, and I think those right. if not you know not drawn attention to and uh, hopefully we mm. can make an effort to uh, to change those those impressions um, it just perpetuates that you know those kinds of uh, image images yeah mm. yeah could I I mean to just to add Please. to that I mean I I think that the idea that disability is a social construct can be thrown away in a language. It's a way of kind of saying whatever is socially constructed. But when one goes into a university building and um, you realise that that university building has not been designed for non-walkers 
or whenever you know a disabled person who uses a wheelchair goes on a plane and their wheelchair gets damaged or if uh, one walks into a, a bar or a restaurant and the language being used of humor is one which is always about denigrating disability then i think the response is that it's not yet recognized enough as a social construct right. and indeed for, for some people disability remains the concern of the, of the person with the disability in their family uh, and and one of the kind of contributions of disability studies, and I think what this book in particular does because of its Singapore context, is it takes seriously the contributions of disabled people and their allies and their communities to truly working with the idea of disability being a social construct. The truth of the matter is, is that disability is still ignored in mainstream right. life. It is still ignored even among some of my more transformative radical colleagues in the university Disability is rarely spoken about in the same Absolutely. ways that, for example, social class would be. So I, I take your point, but actually, um, I don't think that it is considered to be a social right. construction. And more than that, I don't think disability is often considered to be part of society. Right. You know, actually, until Victor had that conversation with me, I've never thought about disability as a social construct. I never. Uh, but partly also, you know, as a social scientist, I my the default mode is everything is socially constructed anyway, right? So, uh, but for specifically for disabilities, I never thought thought uh, about it. And I think that, that that was really clear. The the purpose of because sometimes I, I feel that when social scientists say, "Oh, this is a social construct," but so what? The so what is not given, and the so what is uh, is so important to this conversation. I think you guys gave the the so what because you deconstruct this in order not to make those assumptions which can be quite damaging to people from the community. And I think, I think that's really important. Thank you so much. Uh, I just wanted to say also the, the list of contributors at the end, and they also uh, write uh, their, you guys write their backgrounds, I suppose. So uh, there are people who are autistic, uh, they are deafblind, and so on. Uh, and I think it's really... Uh, it's really uh, wonderful. It's really ins inspirational in, in many ways as well. And I think it's, uh, it's a contribution to knowledge that we really needed. Uh, I mean, I know I, I needed it. So, so you guys have, have uh, already discussed the, I think, the, the, the important questions, right? I wanted to ask, can you explain, which you do explain in your introductory chapter, uh, why the title, uh, Not Without Us, which is available, by the way, at Kino, $27.00 before GST and also on the Ethos website. So why the title specifically? Because you guys, I think that's a story to that. Yeah, so so I think maybe I will start by sharing that. Um, I mean, there is actually a larger history uh, around disability, around the disability rights movement that we are referencing uh, when we chose that title. Uh, and I think using that title, not without us, right, uh, makes the killing to that history. Uh, so basically, nothing about us without us uh, is sort of that slogan that disabled people, that the disabled people's movement have been using. Um, so I think the book is James Charlton. So James Charlton had a book called Nothing About Us Without Us, right? And he talked about how that came about. Uh, I think in, in that book, he talked about how that came about from... Uh, Hearing, I think, 
the South African disabled activists use it in the early 1990s. Uh, but that also has links to the international disability rights movement, uh, which focuses on, I would say, uh, a voice of our own, so self-representation, right? So nothing about us without us, not without us, uh, a voice of our own are all interconnected in the sense that they are all focused on disabled people's self-representation. So there's that genealogy that we want to reference and draw. Uh, the other point that I think we are trying to make <coughs> with that title, Not Without Us, uh, is to highlight that uh, also that Singapore has very close links uh, to that history. Uh, so I think we sort of referenced that uh, in the book that in 1981, uh, disabled people from all around the world, they actually came to Singapore uh, and founded the first cross-disability international organization of disabled people, and they elected uh, a, a Singaporean as its first chairperson. So there's that, this longer history of how Singapore you know, also began from that same phase of nothing about us without us, a voice of our own. So it's to reference that as well, even as you know, today we are in that sense embracing inclusion, you no know, pursuing an inclusive right. society. Okay. Thank you. Uh Meng Yi, and then do you have anything to add? Um I, I think Victor really nicely gave a bit of uh, history and uh and and the essence of, of, of the word uh, of, of the of the title and um um and I, I suppose it's the it's a reminder isn't it um that uh disabled persons have um often and i think in the lead up to even in even to a contemporary and even to today um may not have um have had sufficient representation at the table and i, I think it's a mm -hmm. it's it's a reminder that we need to be continuously uh, you know to be involved and engage uh, at many many different aspects not only you know we of course the disabled persons are probably most represented on issues to do with welfare and yeah. uh, social kind of related uh, policies with disability but I, I, mm. I think we are it's a reminder mm. that you know that uh, all aspects of life, uh, housing, um, uh, politics, the arts, uh, sports, uh, fine, you know, financial services. Um, I think it's all encompassing because, uh, uh, after all, we are we are citizens in society. So you know, all all issues that affect everyone uh, affects us too. So I, I think it's a it's a it's a reminder again that. Um, it's so important for mm. for you know for disabled persons to be at the table uh, mm. at at these uh, discussions. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I that's what Mengi and Victor are saying there by <coughs> just th thinking about and sitting with that very idea about nothing about us without us. So, if you take, for example, the discipline that I was trained in, which is psychology. Uh, and I identify as a recovering psychologist. So I'm, I'm, you know, I am getting, I'll get there at the end and, and no longer be a psychologist, hopefully. But, um, but what, what is intriguing about psychology is that it has loads to say about disability. 
In fact, there are whole branches of psychology that are built actually upon the lives of disabled people. Without disabled people, there wouldn't be abnormal psychology, for example. Mm. But so disability is very present there, right? But what is absent from it are the accounts of disabled people and the expertise of disabled people. Yet again, it's a, a form of knowledge generation where disabled people have not been included in that generation of knowledge. Understandably, many disabled people are sceptical, are anxious about that kind of disciplinary power, that power of these, um, if you like, experts to speak for them. And so the actual term nothing about us without us or what this, you know, this book nods to um, is also a recognition that there's an incredible amount of expertise within the disabled uh, disability community um, that we need to engage with. And, and as you've alluded to there, you know, in this book that uh, Victor has led us on here, you've got some, some real key players in the Singaporean context from those disability communities who are, if you like, dressing that gap where disabled people have been left out of this kind of dominant knowledge production. Right. So thank you. And I think that's a good segue into the next question I had, which was from Steffi, actually. And she asked, uh, how important is representation? And, and again, outside the, fields of, outside the field of disability studies, right? When, I mean, we, we know that representation is important for, you know, uh, media, popular media, whether it's ethnicity and gender and so on. But it, it comes a point where uh, when you turn, turn on Netflix and you can see that the diversity is almost forced, right? Yeah. And it's no longer, it's no longer it's, it's meaningful and people say, ah, oh, this is it's so diverse that it's not representative of real life anymore, right? So uh, we obviously have not reached that stage. We are nowhere near that stage uh, when it comes to uh, persons <coughs> with disabilities. So there was a chapter of representations of uh, disabilities on Singapore television by Aaron Ho. So do you guys have any thoughts on the importance of representation? <laughs> yes, I should, but I only have room for three people. <laughs> so as the editors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I will start again. Uh, I mean, I, I love Aaron chapter in that sense and I, I think he makes a very important contribution and I mean if we had more time I would have asked him to write about uh, the more recent uh, drama series right uh, what, what's that called not in our world right the one that you know, captured a lot of people's attention uh, Channel 8 they had I think what's his name um, a, a non-disabled actor playing this you know, uh, person with intellectual disability, and you know, it was viral on social media. People were saying, "Wow, he did a great job of representing disabled people," and so on and so forth. And I think that's that's <clears throat> very interesting because I think it showcases how, um, I mean, it showcases everything everything about representation that we want to talk about, right? Uh, who gets to represent disabled people, right? Why do we mm. have cast a non-disabled mm -hmm. person as a disabled person, and then applaud yeah. him? For, for, for doing yeah. it well. Why not the other way around? Why not have a real disabled person playing a disabled person or a, a, a disabled person playing a non-disabled person, right? Uh, I think those are important questions that arises in, in tr and true representation. Sorry, I, sorry, I Victor, what's, what's the answer to that question? Is it, yep, yep. Uh, is it important if the message, if that actor, um, it's a genuine question, so if the actor did manage to convey the message, the importance of 
giving this group its its due uh, respect? Does it matter if that person is not from that community? I think I I think that's important, but in the context of continued you know uh, underemployment and unemployment of disabled people, especially in media industries, I think in Singapore it's important for disabled right. people to be playing disabled roles, and you have. Very good examples of that yeah. uh, on Channel Five, uh, Kin, yeah. right? So Aaron Ho talks about Kin, how they casted a, a disabled character, uh, with a disabled actor. I think Timothy did such a great job. So why can't we do that in Channel Eight as well? And I think that's important, uh, to highlight. So in in the context of you know, uh, unequal representation, it's important for disabled people to be playing those roles, and you can see that. I mean, you can see that kind of argument going in the arts, right? Where you know we are talking about disability-led arts, and there's a couple of chapters that talk about that. Uh, so I think that that would right. be my you know simple answer. I think the other point that I was trying to uh, talk about um, is has to do with uh, representation in terms of what we see and how how we see disability. So on the one hand, there are you know representations that you know. Um, um, showcases the lives of disabled people and who gets to play that of course is a, a separate question on its own right and that's good but i would even i would say and argue that those kind of representations are in the minority and that a lot of representations around disability that we see on, on television today on netflix today right uh media representations tend to use disability in a very negative way it is what you know Mitchell Snyder would call a, a crush that the, the show falls upon that you see you know uh the, the evil people are always disabled you know the 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 person who gets into the accident then becomes disabled then becomes the you know it's another kind of uh common thought thing that you know disability is used for so disability gets used in those ways it, it doesn't really represent the real lives of disabled people i think that's problematic it gives people a sense of and through representations, it only gives people a sense of, you know, uh, either sympathy or pity or charity or that disabled people are that. All right. People. Thank you. Mang E or Dan? Maybe a, just a, a short, shortish uh, add-on. I think, again, Victor's, I think, gave, gave a very good um, answer to that. Um, and I'm just thinking as we as we talk about this now whether the uh, I'm thinking of two things really uh, one is uh, uh, tokenism in a sense that yeah. representation is there and right. if you you know if you get um, some disability representation then uh, it kind of like it's a it's the tick off the, uh, of yeah. the checklist that you know you have okay we have one disabled person on the cast or you know in this particular uh, meeting um, so we are, we are we are we have satisfied their need so um, so I'm, I'm wondering right whether that that too has an issue to do with uh, an issue of uh, uh, just uh, uh, a token representation My, is, that is is token representation better than no representation uh, well that was what that was what I was going to say so okay. uh, me, yeah <laughs> So maybe yeah. that um, maybe we are all about uh, this is all about a journey, right? You you're quite right. I I think uh, I I think I I align with your your thought there. 
uh, in the sense mm. that maybe token representation is a good start, but mm. it shouldn't be the end. Right. And right. Uh, and maybe that takes us to then to a deeper part of the representation issue, and that is uh, participation. So I think we want, you know, representation mm. is great, but I think can we get deeper and more, more involved uh, participation uh, mm. from disabled persons and um, and you know. I, I think maybe that helps to further the the uh, that representation in a, in a deeper way. Yeah, uh, moving yeah. away from just the tokenism. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would add to uh, what you're saying there, Megan. Also, Victor. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if you think on you know we mentioned Netflix, other platforms are available, obviously. Uh, but you know, if you look at uh, Netflix, um, Crip Camp was. Um, one of the first examples that we've seen really where dis the disability community and its history as a disability community was celebrated and it came out during um, lockdown. It was incredibly successful globally, but it was very intriguing because it, it, for many people, it was the first time that a mainstream kind of um, film had captured the, the um, what uh, Miamigas calls the, the joyous magnificence of community. Um, about amongst disabled people and you know the fact that it took until 2020 to get this representation in a mainstream way raises kind of questions about you know what kind of representations have has disability been used to portray over the many years and as both uh, Victor and Mengi pointed to disability is always there you'll see it all mm. the time but mm. it's often there to to capture some kind of human human failing or some kind of spurious idea of inspiration. So yeah. what yeah. was wonderful about Crip Camp is that it was very much kind of, um, it was a representation owned by disabled people. It looked at disability in a, in a very kind of ex expansive way. And most importantly, it reminded us all that we are who we are through our communities. So I think, you know, the, the question of representation is, is absolutely significant and important, but we might want to ask what is being represented. Mm. Yeah. So, so Rene, uh, Rene Chan uh, comments that uh, I was left out a lot in school because my friends do not understand me and I got bullied by them. And I'm sure this is not an anomaly. I'm sure this was pretty much the norm for many uh, persons with disabilities. Uh, and... And I suppose representation is a huge part of that, right? The more you are exposed to this and the more it will be accepted. And I'm thinking how when we were growing up, there were some words, especially about, about weight, that were acceptable when, in, in schools, right? Uh, or it was normal, right? But now kids nowadays would, would consider that the F word, right? Uh, and they would say, so maybe maybe we need some time to reach to reach that level with uh with inclusion about disabilities and and that's that's my next question right so what counts as inclusion and this was the theme of one of the chapters right this was the title actually of justin's chapter right and this seems to be the big one to me like what counts as inclusion what would you guys consider to be inclusion or and to add on to arun right what would you guys like to see uh, in Singapore specifically, but also maybe anywhere else, and then you can draw on your expertise from elsewhere as well. So, I mean, sorry, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. So, sorry go on, Mangi. No, I was 
it's a, it's a, it's a, as you, as you quite rightly say, that's a, that's a huge, huge, huge question. Um, uh, um, but maybe the, the quick response to that is uh, uh, maybe inclusion is not a destination. It's, uh, it's an ongoing uh, striving for, for that uh, um, um, inclusive um, uh, effort and transformation um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I I don't know whether there might be a point where <clears throat> we come to this, this space where we are fully inclusive uh, because I think how issues change uh, concurrently in today's context seems to be so dynamic in so many aspects of, of life and circumstances that, you know, that um, uh, I think we, we, we need to respond partly in, you know, to that dynamic uh, uh, movement and change, um, suggesting that perhaps we, I mean, you know, the inclusion needs to keep pace with that. Um, it'll be great. Great if you know it works in tandem, but I don't know how how advanced and and ready you know just um, um, we are in the community or in society in in, in moving that in in tandem with uh, with the changes in 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 the world. So um, uh, it, it it would be nice if that happens. Um, it's challenging, as I, I think in most cases, because I think inclusion tends to play catch up most of the time. Um, so perhaps if we, we can move into a space where you know we are on, on par or we are running parallel with uh, um, um, uh, changes in society. And you know, and those are very dynamic changes. I think we uh, we would be um, um, very much, I think, closer to to the ideals of what uh, uh, we would like to see for inclusion. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, Mengi, I, I I liked your point there that it's not a destination. That mm. it's uh, it's a, it's a debate. It's um, it's it's often a kind of um, a commons really that people come to. Well, shared grounds really to kind of try and contest some of the ways in which various aspects of life are exclusionary. I mean, it's often used in relation to school and education, and so this kind of question of inclusive education, and it's excuse me, differences with special education. There's lots of debate going on there. I mean, for me, I think what's interesting about the idea of of inclusion is that it asks really big questions about the context in which you ground it. So, you know, if you think about it in, in relation to schools, and I think about the, 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 the UK context, schools are incredibly exclusionary places for children, full stop. Uh, our, uh -huh. our, you know, our forms of assessment are incredibly narrow. Um, the ways in which we do our teaching and learning is becoming increasingly narrow. The curriculum is becoming narrow. And for many kids, this is just school is, quite frankly, boring. Now, uh, so so this this idea of why it's boring, you know, one of the arguments is, well, you know, as, as my as my grandmother might have said, you know, there's no such thing as boredom; it's just bored people. 
well, that idea, that idea of like you know putting the you know putting the kind of blame in the individual in the person, is not really what this kind of a debate about inclusion is. It should be, you know, sitting with that serious observation that maybe the way education is, you know, provided in some cases can be boring, can be exclusionary. So inclusion starts hopefully a kind of process of imagination, maybe creativity. Uh, I think too often inclusion is often seen by people as quite a scary term and they, they, they maybe run away from it because they don't want yeah. to be found out, right? It's not being inclusive. Whereas what we should do, as Mengi was saying there, is why don't we use it as an entry point into conversations? Right, okay. So assessments need to be more inclusive and, and not narrow. Teaching and learning needs to be need to be more inclusive. Okay, uh, Victor, anything? I mean, I, I totally agree with Mingyi and Dan in the sense that I, I mean, a very common refrain that I use is to say that inclusion should not be the end point, it should be the starting point for us to think more deeply about the kinds of normative structures that we all inhabit, right? And that's the point that uh, Dan was also making, right? That, you know, a lot of times we live in a normative society and we assume that that's the way things should be. Right, and to use the same example that Dan used, right, in education, right, for instance, why do we have streaming? Why do we stream people of different intellectual capacity in Singapore, right? Uh, for productivity, why, why do we do that? Why is that the norm that we embrace? Right? Why not have a more diverse teaching classroom where people of different quote-unquote abilities can learn together, including people with disabilities? And we don't do that, right? Uh, even when we do that, we, when we include people with disabilities in mainstream education, it tends to fall under you know, uh, notions of who gets accepted because of their intellectual capabilities, right? So people with intellectual disabilities are always, always already excluded in Singapore because they will go to special education schools. And that's how we, we see, right? And that's so, so, how so you think that is not a right? good thing, uh, the, and I think that's, the special education schools? Or, or at least in the long run, we should work towards I, I think, uh, one, I think, one singular system. I, I think it's a longer and larger debate, right? Uh, and I, my own personal sense is that we should have a system where people of different abilities or different capacities can learn together. I think right. that reflects the real diversity of hum right. humanity, isn't it? And I think that's very important. Uh, I mean, the other point that I think Dan would love to make is that you know, the university is an able space, right? And that only certain people of certain intellectual capacity can come in and we can go on and on about that as well. Uh, I think the other point that I want to make in relation to that question about you know, what is inclusion, uh, I mean, of course, that, that, that point about inclusion being the start point and not the end point is important. I think it's also important to recognize that inclusion as a term uh, often is not contested. I'm, I'm saying it because I'm doing a lot of thinking around writing up my manuscript around describing inclusion in Singapore. And I, I think that the way in which we do inclusion in Singapore um, hasn't been as contested, right? And I think that's sort of um, something that needs to be in a sense denaturalized and, and thought more deeply and critically about because inclusion can also be bad. Uh, why I'm saying that is because I think in different contexts and different times, there are certain things that we have done as a society in different places, right, that we would have thought to be inclusive. But looking 
back from the high side of the crescent, you realize that no, it's not that inclusive, right? So segregation at a, a certain point in our histories, we were taught that right, that's good. That's that's the best way to work with disabled people, and that's not right. Uh, so we might be pursuing inclusion today. I think we also need to realize that inclusion is should be seen as malleable, it's flexible, it's it's something that changes, and we need to be aware of the consequences of what we right. deem okay. as inclusion today. So, as well. so thank you. I, I I'm very intrigued by by the point that uh, you made, uh, and you 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 said that you think Dan would agree as well, which is the university is a very ableist uh, institution. Uh, is it because there is a cut-off point or there are grades that are required? Because you mentioned the intellectual abilities. Right? Then if that's the case, right? then what about sports or high-level competitive sports? Is that an ableist uh, 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 arena as well? Uh, what about other things? Right? What, about, what about arts? Because not everybody can act. Is that an ableist? It's because, I mean, are we not stretching the, the term, the meaning of the term, if we say that, oh, as long as there's exclusion of certain things, I mean, there is no definition that doesn't exclude something, right? Otherwise, the definition is, is meaningless, right? Uh, so, are we not stretching the term by saying that, oh, because there are standards or there are certain <coughs> standards which exclude others from uh, an institution, therefore, it's, it is ableist? Um, I mean, I, I don't think we're stretching the term. I think we are um, considering the expansive nature of the term in critical thinking. So if we were to ask, what, what is the university for? Now, clearly the university is for many things. It's for training doctors, for example. And it's for, you know, um, there are particular layers and levels of knowledge generation and knowledge production that universities should, should of course, be engaged with. But also universities are civic contexts. They should serve their communities. And, you know, there's, there's a deep irony, for example, I can only speak from the British context here, where, you know, you have universities in particular towns which bear no resemblance to their towns in terms of the, in terms of the lack of diversity within the university. Right, right, or, yeah. right. So I think there's something... Look, there's, I'm not trying to um, move away from the, your question because I think it's an important one. Right. And it's not this idea that, you know, we read everything as ableist. Mm. But what it does do is it, 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 I suppose, tunes us in to, again to ask questions about the reason that certain institutions exist. And one of those would be the right. university. And, I, you right. know, I think universities personally, I think universities should be exploited by, you know, the industrial working classes to um, uh, hopefully better their lives. That might be one reason that uh, universities can be exploited and equally i think that universities can be used and should be used by disabled people and disabled people's organizations to make the world a more inclusive space now how responsive universities are to those kind of aspirations is a bigger question <clears throat> thank you thank you I, we were moving in marxist territory there uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine that's fine no problems yeah uh so yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, carry on, carry on. Yeah. Uh, um, or maybe, maybe just to add on to Dan's point, right? If you look at, say, <laughs> NTU where we are at, and SMU, right? And SMU has the, has the, I think, a di diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. Does NTU have the same? And I think it, it shows you that, you know, universities are not normal, not, 
not singular, not monolithic structures, that they are different priorities faced by different universities as well. And that reflects, I think, the point that we are trying to make around, you know, the kinds of structures that... Yeah, so we do have we do have that as well, right? The, the inclusion and integration. But again, as in, yeah. it's always... I mean, these things, what does being inclusive mean? And, and also you have to ask, is it um, a lot of times big institutions, they jump on a particular bandwagon... And then you have to ask what's the substance of uh, what is being said. Actually, I'm not. I'm not saying anti you. Okay, anti is in my employer, not anti you. <laughs> but others, right? So we can have all of these uh, programs, but how exactly does it manifest itself? So thank you so much. And this, I, I, we have about five minutes. If you don't mind, we can extend a little bit more. But the question that really went, it was an underlying theme. I think in many of the chapters, but it was explicitly mentioned in Jocelyn's chapter, about how the game was rigged from the start. Like Meritocracy is highly flawed in Singapore. I mean, and we have seen that in other publications by Ethos as well, right? Teo uh, Yoyen's book on inequality really goes to the heart of the flaws of meritocracy as practiced in Singapore. So, is meritocracy then the problem as we, or at least the way we understand meritocracy in Singapore, is that the problem or the fundamental problem? Mm. Mange. Uh -huh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Favorite topic of mine. <laughs> um, I, I think it's, um, especially for Singaporeans, right? We, we've grown up in the system. We've grown up um, um, in school. Um, scholarships are handed out based on merit and uh, um, uh, how we are rewarded in the universities or how we, we are rewarded in society, again, is supposedly based on, on merit, how productive we are, how much we bring to the organization, to the institution, um, how, in, a, in a university context. How many publications do we have? <laughs> oh, don't remind um, me, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so forth, right? And um, I think I, it's, you know, whilst we recognize, I mean, it, it's a system that works uh, by and large. Mm -hmm. But I think my concern, and I think Jocelyn's too in, in a chapter, is um, what about disabled persons? Because... Um, uh, uh, do, well, do 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 they have equal access to the system, right? To right. begin with, I mean, just just you know, just just starting there, already we can we can make a case and say, you know, they if 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 people went to special schools, for example, um, you know, do they do they have equal chance stepping into society as someone else with uh, a mainstream uh, uh, education, uh, given that we are so much um, uh, uh, qualifications driven, credential conscious society, uh, I mean, granted things are, are, are shifting and changing, but I think it takes time to 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 you know to shift a a system that is kind of entrenched with. Um, how we have uh, grown up in, a, in, 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 in establishing what is meritocracy in, in Singapore. So, so I think, you know, just 
that's a basic question is would you know disabled persons have the same access to the system uh, and you know would they have equal access in that so-called Singapore dream right just as any other country with whatever uh, the American dream the British dream or the French dream or, or, or whichever country we hail from do we have those access to those um, um, uh, to the system um, so I, I I think the the meritocratic part is is important but clearly uh, a, a constant a consumer meritocracy become the, I think the danger of that is an elitist society yeah uh, and, and very naturally we're, we're heading into then uh, an ableist society at the same time yeah so, we, we already uh, have that right we're, yes yeah. <laughs> we're so not hitting that we are there <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> so, um, so I think for the disabled person uh, what are the prospects for them in, in a meritocratic society I think that's that's something that we really need to wrestle with in 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 uh, uh, in opportunities, um, in uh, uh, you know ha having equal opportunities to participate um, um, and to be able to be uh, uh, to be true to you know themselves to fulfill their aspirations at the same time um, and to to be part of the system. So. Not so easy. I mean, whilst meritocracy, um, we recognize it does serve a purpose, and maybe the alternative is uh, not an appealing one. If we went back to an aristocratic society or you know a society that favors nepotism, uh, clearly we want we don't want those um, structures you know to shape and allocate resources um, based on those. Um, uh, uh, structures, but but then, how do we then respond to meritocracy in a way that can be supportive of disabled persons? I, I know in Singapore now we are talking about we hear right so often we we are talking about compassionate meritocracy, yeah. we're talking about ongoing meritocracy, yeah. we're talking about inclusive meritocracy, but um, I mean these are good attempts. Uh, in trying to <laughs> mitigate the, the 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 essence of meritocracy, but I, I think how 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 do we how do we how do we how do we move in a way that is still you know that we can still um, uh, um, are, are these are these sustainable? I, I think at the at, at the at the essence, it it, it is still a meritocracy. Um, right. And I think if I can just make one final point, Please. I think the you know the I just talked about this in my class uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you know for example the I think the compassionate meritocracy idea is, is nice, but if we I, I'm sure you know for you know, disability advocates and scholars will will very quickly say, but that's in some ways well, why do we have to have a, a, a compassionate meritocracy where where people where, where disabled people need to be need to receive compassion. I mean, whilst right. compassion is a good thing, I, I think it's also important that we create you know, opportunities where disabled people can fulfill for themselves uh, um, you know, and realize right, their dreams and aspirations in, in a way to, to fulfill those uh, 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 dreams um, and, and not to be, not 
necessarily to be um, supported through through compassion. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think that that's great. That's a great answer. And I I feel like that the term compassionate meritocracy is is basically uh, an admission of sorts that meritocracy is is uh, not working. <laughs> Right, uh, and but but you're right. As in, and when they were talking about when the government talks about compassionate meritocracy, they are not even really talking about persons with disabilities, right? They're talking about lower socioeconomic status, yeah. right? Which, which in the first place, as as you rightly said, right? Why, why should their success in life be based on other people's compassion, right? This should be something that should be a right rather than. Based on the goodwill of others, which is yeah. always a dangerous thing to rely on, the goodwill yeah. of yeah. people, right, rather than actual yeah. institutions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, so I mean, embedded there again, right? You, you kind of, I mean, compassion is a good thing, but it also it perpetuates this sense of obligation, and um, you know, you you feel in, in, indebted in 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 in, right. in some ways, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should strive to. Every society should strive to towards a compassionate society, right? But I don't think we should build our institutions on the basis of compassion. Or I think we should assume that there is no compassion and then build our institutions around that, whilst while hoping and aspiring towards a compassionate society. Uh, sorry, Dan, you you wanted to say something, no? No. Yeah, Victor, any? Okay, so thank you so much. So final, nope. uh, final uh, thoughts, and I'll let you go. So, what is one thing that you guys would like each of you would like people to get from your excellent contribution? Uh, I, I, the Singapore is a hotbed of, of disability studies research. Oh, okay. <laughs> thank you. I, I I would love to have more. I would love to see more um, debates, discussion around inclusion in Singapore, around disability and inclusion in Singapore. I think that's and important. You, you are forward. sort of, the three of you are kick-starting this, right? Because it's it's almost non-existent, right? I mean, I am definitely not aware of any such debate. Or, or am I wrong, Victor? I haven't been looking in the right places or... I would think critical scholarly debate, okay. not so, not so much. I right. think it's very recent, perhaps the last five, okay. ten years. Thank you. Okay. In Singapore, Maggie, yep. final word. Um, no, I, I'm I'm really happy for this uh, uh, collection, uh, you know, to have come to fruition, and and uh, I, I think this will be. You know, the 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 start start point for for more discussions and uh, um, and uh, hopefully hopefully more interest right from the ground from disabled persons contributing writing um, I think at our book launch I was just musing whether uh, um, my disability studies you know be an area of study that you know a, a discipline that we could see maybe in the time ahead um uh in in our local universities so that could be you know something that uh, uh i think will be of interest right okay thank you so much on that note i just wanted to say that 2018 ethos published this is what inequality looks like 
and that kick started a national conversation on inequality. I don't know if even Ethos or Yoyan itself envisioned that that book would have had such an impact on policy, on discourse, on mindsets. Honestly, uh, we cannot understate the importance of that book. I uh, cannot overstate the importance of that book. And I, I hope this book has the same effect, uh, if not more, uh, in the field of disability studies. Gentlemen, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank okay. you. Good night, thank everyone. You so much, thank you. Uh, and congrats again.